Don't just talk to God about your mountains. Talk to your mountains about God. How many of you know this morning that words can be toxic? As a matter of fact, I believe that words is one of the most powerful, if not the most powerful weapons and one of the most powerful things that we have available to us today as human beings. Because like I said, words can be either constructive or words can be destructive. I have a lot of people ask me sometimes, Pastor, how can I gauge, how can I measure my spiritual maturity? How can I tell if I'm really growing spiritually? And I believe that one of the things that God has given us that will help us to gauge and monitor and measure our spiritual growth is the words that come out of our mouths. James, and I don't have this passage of scripture on the screen, but James, the brother of Jesus, who wrote one of our New Testament books that bears his name, the book of James, is a book about spiritual maturity. And in James chapter 3, we see the longest discourse in the Bible about our words and about the tongue. And here's what James, the brother of Jesus, said. He said that if a man has such control so that he does not make any mistake in the words that he speaks by saying something wrong. Has anybody here ever said anything wrong? Maybe you didn't even mean to say it. You know, maybe you just walked up to somebody and say, did you really mean to do that to your hair? And that person's like, what do you mean? What's wrong with it? Or maybe you didn't mean anything, you know, when you walked up to him and said, I... I thought you'd be married by now. It may not mean anything to you, but at, at your age, I thought you would have been married by now. Or why haven't you had children yet? Not knowing that maybe they've been struggling to be able to have children. So sometimes we say wrong things without really realizing we're saying wrong things. But James said, if you want to be able to measure your spiritual maturity, if you're able to have such control of your words so that nothing comes out wrong, then that man, he says, is a complete, a mature man. Now, I wonder this morning, if we were to use that as a gauge or something to measure our spiritual maturity, how many of us would say, oh, there's still plenty of room for growth in my life because I don't have such control of my words? Not only that, James also tells us, as we go down in James chapter 3, down around verse 7, he says that our words, if we are not careful, have the power to poison our entire bodies. That goes right along with what the writer of Proverbs says in Proverbs chapter 18, beginning at verse 20. Notice what he said. He said, a man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. From the produce of his lips, he shall be filled. Now, do you know what that passage is saying? It's saying it's not what goes into us that satisfies and fulfills us, but it's what comes out of our mouth that satisfies and fulfills us. So that if we are speaking life-giving words, we're going to be filled with life. But if we're speaking toxic, poisonous words, then we are going to be filled with poison and toxins. 
Here's what James said. James said that if you can get control of the words that come out of your mouth, if you have that kind of discipline and that kind of spiritual maturity, then you can gain control of your entire body. And he said, let me give you a couple of examples. He says it's like putting a bit in a horse's mouth. And by putting that little bit in a horse's mouth, you can control the entire body of that horse. And then he said, it's also like a little rudder on a ship. That no matter how big the ship is, the rudder is so small in comparison to it, but that rudder can control the direction of that entire trip, or that ship. And you and I need to understand this morning, that's the kind of power that our words have. And that's why the writer of Proverbs goes on to say in verse 21 that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Now, now I want you to notice something that's very important here. He doesn't say death or life is in the power of the tongue. That, that, that's what was mysterious to him. That's what he couldn't figure out. He was confused. How can blessing and cursing, James said, he said, how can blessing and cursing come out of the same mouth? Because he said, one minute you're giving praise and thanksgiving to God, and the next minute, he said, you're cursing your brother who was created in the image of God. And so he, he just couldn't figure it out. And so the writer of Proverbs even tells us that death and life, and that's where the struggle comes in. We are the ones who control the words who come out of our mouths. And going back to what James said, James says, no man can tame the tongue. That's why I was telling you last week, we can't change toxic people. Only God, toxic people cannot even change themselves. It's only as we surrender control of our bodies to the Holy Spirit we can't tame the tongue, but God can tame the tongue. The Holy Spirit can tame the tongue when we submit it to him. A couple of more passages of scripture from Proverbs. Pro Proverbs chapter 12 verse 18 says that the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. And then notice what it says in Proverbs 15 and 4. Kind words heal and help, but cutting words wound and maim. And all of us have been perhaps on both ends of that spectrum, the blessings and the cursings. We've had people who have spoken words into our life that heal us and help us and build us up. But we've also had people speak words into our life that were cutting, that wounded us and maimed us. So no, it's not true. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can destroy me. Those bruises and those wounds from words can last a lifetime if I don't deal with them. And so this morning, I want to give you three little simple things as it relates to toxic words. And I want to break it into a couple of categories. First of all, I want us to talk about the words that we hear. And then I want us to talk about the words that we speak. And there's three principles this morning about the words we hear and the words that we speak. First of all, regarding the words that we hear, here's what we've got to do. We have got to guard our heart against toxic words. You say, well, pastor, how can I do that? I can't control most of the time what people say to me. Look at this quote that I'm going to put on the screen. 
And this is just something from my own heart this morning. And that is, we can't control what we hear, but we can control what we believe. Amen? You may not be able to control everything that you hear about yourself or about someone else or about your circumstances, but you can control what you believe. You can control what you meditate on. You can control what you allow to penetrate your heart. I'm going back to Proverbs today. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20. And this is a father imparting wisdom to his children, which is something that godly fathers should do on a regular basis. And so you've got the father imparting wisdom to his child. And listen to what he says. He said, my child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep within your heart. In other words, he sits down with his child and he looks at him and he says, come on now, lean in. I want you to pay really, really close attention to what I'm about to say to you because what I'm about to say to you is of utmost importance. I'm about to speak some words of life into your heart. I'm about to speak some words of life into your spirit. So whatever you do, hear these words that I'm about to say to you. He said, don't lose sight of these words. Let them penetrate deep into your heart for they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. And here's the words that he wanted his children to hear. Guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. And we're gonna see here in just a moment that he's talking about the words that you allow to penetrate your heart. The words that you believe about yourself that others have said about you that are contradictory to what God's word has to say about you. Things about God's plan and God's purpose for your life that others have said about you that is in contradiction, that doesn't line up with what God has spoken to you personally about his plan and purpose for your life. And so the wise man says here, whatever you do, guard your heart. Don't believe everything that you hear. Don't let every word that you hear penetrate your heart. Don't meditate on every word that you hear. But you've got to guard your heart above all else because the words that you hear and the words that you believe is going to determine the course of your life. And then he goes on to verse 24 and he says, Avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. And then he said, here's what you've got to do. He said, look straight ahead. Fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. In other words, he said, son, daughter, there's going to be some that's going to try to entice you with their words. They're going to try to deceive you and tempt you with their words. They're going to try to get you to become something that God has not created you to become or do something that is not honoring to God. And he said, I'm telling you, guard your heart against those kinds of words. He said, you stay focused on who you know you are in God. And you stay focused on what you know God's purpose and plan is for your life. Don't you let somebody else's words sidetrack you. Don't you let somebody else's words cause you to lose your focus about what God has in store for you. Guard your heart, for out of it, it, it determines the course of your life. 
And, and listen to me this morning, ladies and gentlemen, that is extremely good wisdom. Don't believe everything you hear. I want to say that again. Don't believe everything you hear. If it doesn't line up with God's truth for your life, don't believe it. Guard your heart. Don't let it penetrate. Don't meditate on it. Because it does determine the course of your life, what you believe. Here's the second thing now as it relates to the words that we speak. Speak life-giving words to others. Pastor, I was expecting something a little bit more profound. This is profound. If you do it, it's powerful. When you begin to speak life-giving words to other people. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 4 and 29. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. No destructive words. But what is good for necessary edification. That word edification means building up. So he said, don't speak words that tear down. Instead, speak words that build up. And he said, when you speak words that build up, it's going to impart grace to those who hear it. Do you know what the word grace there means? It means giving somebody the ability to do something that before they didn't think they had the ability to do. It's when, when somebody is able to do something and believe that they can do something that before they didn't think they were able to do. That's what happens when you build people up with their words. You are imparting grace to them. You are imparting power to them. You are letting them know, yes, you can do this. All things are possible to them who believe. Amen? I, I'm telling you, marriages would get better if husbands would practice this over their wives. If they would say, honey, I love you more today than I have ever loved you. You're more beautiful today than you were the day that I met you, honey. I'm more in love with you today than I've ever been in love with you in my wife. Honey, you are so beautiful. Honey, you are so talented. Honey, you're such a mighty woman of God. Honey, you're such, a, you're, you're such an awesome wife. You're such an awesome mom. You speak those kinds of words of edification. Same way with you ladies. If you'll speak those kinds of words over your husband, don't just think them. When you think good words, speak good words. When you think words that build up and edify, speak those words. Do you know what my biggest struggle was? When I left the church in Atlanta where I'd pastored almost 19 years. Let me tell you what my biggest struggle was. The children. Leaving the children. And my wife will confirm this. There were kids, I kid you not, every Sunday, and there's a few that it happens here, but every Sunday at Life Church in Atlanta, I, I'm telling you, we had three services. We had a 9, 9.30 service, we had an 11 o'clock service, and we had a 2.30 service. And every Sunday I would be out in the foyer. And most every kid in that service, when it was over, would make a beeline for me. Not, not because I was a great preacher. Not because I was so handsome. It would been nice if that had been the case. But you know what they would tell their parents? Pastor always has something positive to say about me. 
And those kids would come to me and I would hug on them like I hug on the kids here. And I would tell them, you're going to do awesome things for God. God has such a huge purpose and plan. You can't see it right now, but God's got such a huge plan and God's got such a huge purpose. Now you've got to understand some of these came from homes where they didn't get that kind of information and they didn't get that kind of building up with words. And so it was like a magnet after service. They would come to me and I, I had one, one young lady in particular. Her name was Sarah. And Sarah, even before she was born, the enemy had begun to attack her life. Her mom went in for an evaluation one day and discovered that Sarah, who was in her womb at that time, had spina bifida and they wanted to abort the baby. And she came and talked to me and she was a, an emotional wreck. And we prayed and we got the direction of the Lord. And she knew that she could not abort this precious child. She gave birth to Sarah. And I was at Sarah's side 20-something times, I can't remember how many times, 20-something times early in her life before she was three that she had surgeries to help her with some of these issues that she was dealing with. But we would, I'd show up and I'd, I'd pray over her and I'd say, sweetheart, you are special. You, you are special. God has a special plan. God has a special purpose for your life that nobody else is ever going to be able to fulfill. Nobody is ever going to be able to come close to getting the kind of glory for God that you're going to give to God because of how God is going to use you. They said she would never live past the age of three, four, or five years old. Well, she's 18 years old now. 18 years old. She's one of the smartest, talented, most gifted young ladies. Matter of fact, her grandma was probably watching me right now because she watches every Sunday. But Sarah would show up to church on Sunday just to get a hug and a word of affirmation from pastor. I'm telling you folks, you don't know how powerful your words are until you begin to speak life-giving words. And people will not avoid you, people will find you because they need that affirmation and encouragement in their lives. Amen. So let's not speak destructive words, let's speak constructive words, words that build one another up. Amen. So let's 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 speak life-giving words over others. And then here's another thing. Let's speak life-giving words to ourselves and to our circumstances. Now, I'm going to admit something right here. Might get some people mad. I don't know, but I used to watch Saturday Night Live. <laughs> I don't anymore, but I used to watch Saturday Night Live. And I, I used to love some of the little skits and things that they would do. And Al Franken, of all people, 1991... Stuart Smalley. How many of you remember Al Franken as Stuart Smalley in the early 90s, yeah? He had a little skit that he would do called Daily Affirmations. Daily Affirmations. And every day when he would sign off, he would say, this is Stuart Smalley. And I can't even remember word for word what he would say. But he would say something to this effect. I'm smart. I'm good looking. And gosh darn it, people like me. <laughs> Encouraging himself. You know, the Bible even says that David, the psalmist, that he would encourage himself in the Lord. Listen, if nobody else is going to encourage you, you need to encourage yourself. 
Get in front of that mirror. I don't know which episode it was, but go back and watch that episode of Barney Fife where Barney Fife gets in front of the mirror and he affirms himself with the words that he speaks over himself. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Go to the Word. Go to, go to a book like the book of Ephesians where it says that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Go to the book of Ephesians where it says that you are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Go and look at the book of Ephesians where it says that what is Jesus is also yours, that you are a joint heir with Christ. Amen. Go and read the book of Ephesians where it says nothing is going to separate you from the love of God. Read the book of Ephesians where it says I am more than a conqueror to them who believe. Go and look at the book of Ephesians where it says no weapon that is formed against me is ever going to prosper. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Oh, he's got such good things to say about you. Amen. But also speak life-giving words to your circumstances. Listen to what Jesus said to his disciples in Mark chapter 11 after they had seen that the fig tree he had cursed had withered and died. In other words, it actually happened. And his disciples asked about it. And Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. Is there anybody here this morning who has faith in God? I'm talking about God, the creator of this universe. You've got faith in God. A God that says there's nothing too hard for him. You've got that kind of faith in God. And it says, have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt. Let me tell you something about doubt. Doubt is toxic. Doubt is a poison that is capable of making you sick and even killing you. There's no place for doubt in the heart and mind of a believer, of a follower of Jesus. And he says, if you say, be removed and cast into the sea and you do not doubt in your heart, but you believe that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now, when I was pondering about this scripture the other day, here's what I heard the Lord say to me. He said, stop talking so much, or the Holy Spirit said to me, don't, don't just talk to God about your mountains. Talk to your mountains about God. <laughs> Isn't that good? That'll preach right there, somebody. Somebody needs to tweet that out right now. Even before we get out of this room, you need to tweet that out. Don't, don't just talk to God. Yeah, you need to talk to God about your mountains, but don't just talk to God about your mountains. Talk to your mountains about who your God is and what your God can do and what he has done and that he's always been faithful and he'll continue to be faithful. <laughs> Amen. Brian, I want you guys to come on up and get ready to close me, but I've got another scripture that I want to share here. Because when I think about this, talking to your circumstances about God, I can't help but think about David and his encounter with Goliath. You know the story. I don't have to tell you the whole thing. And everybody just stay focused on me because I've asked them to help me close with a song today that I believe is going to build faith in this room. And some people are going to speak to their mountains today about who their God is. And some mountains are going to come down in this room. Amen. But you got David. His dad says, here, take these supplies down to your brothers on the battlefield. So he gets down on the battlefield, and when he gets to the battlefield, he notices this giant of a Philistine by the name of Goliath. And Goliath is taunting 
the armies of God, the armies of Israel. And he's issuing an, an invitation. Send out your best warrior and whoever wins, then that nation will become submissive to the other nation. Well, nobody would step out and accept the challenge of Goliath. But David, when he heard it, something stirred in his spirit. And here's, here's, here's the question that he asked. What does the man get who goes out and fights this giant? And here's what they told him. They said, you're going to get great wealth from the king. You get the king's daughter. And then thirdly, your family will be exempt from paying taxes forever. That last one's enough right there to fight any giant. Now, I want you to notice what David's brother said when David was getting ready to accept the challenge. It says here now, Eliab, his oldest brother. Now, you've got to understand he's probably still ticked with God. Eliab is. Because he's the oldest son. Rightfully, he should become next king. But God bypasses Eliab and the other brothers and anoints David, the youngest, to become king over all of Israel. So Eliab is still jealous, bitter. And it says that his oldest brother heard when he spoke to the men and Eliab's anger was aroused against David. And he said, why did you come down here? And look at this next one. And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? You gotta understand he had more than a few. An entire flock, hundreds of sheep that he cared for. He said, I know your pride and the insolence or the deceit of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. In other words, you're only here because you want to see a fight. You're only, you're only here because you want to see a bloody battle. I know your motive. I know why you're really here. Criticism. But I love what the next verse says. I didn't put it up here, but I love what the next verse says. It said that David just ignored his brother and turned to the other men and said, again, what does the man get? Then David decides that he would step up and be the man. And then the king, Saul, listen to what Saul says to him. Saul said to David, you're not able. You hear these words? Words of criticism? Words of doubt? Words of death? Toxic words? Looked at David and said, you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him for you are just a youth. And he a man of war from his youth. Young people, God has a plan, and God has a purpose for your life. And even in your youth, you're going to take down giants. Do you hear me? Don't you believe what anybody else says about you. You are able. Look, look at your friends there and say to them, you are able. And not because of who you are, but because of who God is. You're able. David said, well, hold on just a minute, Saul. Let me tell you something. One day I was out tending my daddy's sheep and a lion came to get one of my dad's sheep and I chased that lion down and I took him by my bare hands and I ripped his jaws apart and pulled that sheep out of his mouth. And then he said a bear came in. And he said, I did the same thing to the bear. I killed that bear that was trying to get my daddy's sheep. And he said this. We sang about it earlier. God is faithful. He said, the same God that delivered me 
from the paw of the bear and the lion is going to deliver us from this circumcised Philist, uncircumcised Philistine, this pagan Philistine. And so David puts on the armor. First of all, they put Saul's armor on him. But David was like, this just doesn't feel right. Listen, you can't put your armor on somebody else. Just because it worked for you doesn't mean it's going to work for them. And David said, no, that's not my choice of armor. He had a sling. And he goes down to the stream and he gets five little stones. And when he gets out there in front of Goliath, Goliath can't believe it. Are you serious? This is the best that you've got to offer. Boy, I'm going to rip your flesh to shreds and I'm going to feed it to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth. To which David looked back at him. Now listen, I told you, don't just talk to God about your circumstances. Talk about, or don't just talk to your circumstance, to God about your circumstance. Talk to your circumstances about God. And so that's what David decides to do. Look at what he says. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. Notice, he didn't say with a sling and five stones. But he said, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied this day. The Lord will deliver you into my hand. And Goliath, I pity you once God gives you into my hands. Because once he puts you into my hands, I'm going to strike you and I'm going to take your head from you. Now, this giant's twice the size of David. David's looking up to him saying that. Once he gets you in my hands, that's the end of it for you, boy. I'm striking you down. I'm taking your head off your shoulders. And this day, he said, I'm going to give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistine to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. He said, it's not about my fame. It's not about my reputation. It's not about my glory, but it's about God's fame. And it's about God's glory. And it's about God's reputation. Amen. And he said, then all this assembly shall know, not just the Philistines, but also these chicken-hearted Jews over here, Israelites, over on this side, Jewish folk. He said, this whole assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's, and He is going to give you into our hands. He talked to his mountain about who his God was. Amen. Somebody needs to start doing that in this room right now. Maybe it's your marriage. You need to start speaking to your marriage about who your God is. Maybe it is a family situation. You need to start speaking to your family about who your God is and that nothing is too hard for God and nothing is too impossible with God. That we serve a God who can do anything. The mountain may be so high you can't get over it. It may be so wide you can't go around it. It may be so low you can't go under it, but God will just bust a hole right direct through the middle of that mountain and God will make a way where it seems like there's no way. Somebody stand up on your feet this morning and give God some praise. We want you to come and join us here at Summerton Church of God. God is doing some amazing and miraculous things, and we want you and your family to be a part of that. We are eliminating the darkness in this community by being light.